We're back again, and you've got one more with us tomorrow. Jack McMullen, Ryan Fickelstein, and this is the state of the AL West. It's a really interesting division. We just gave you the AL Central. We'll give you the NL East tomorrow. We talked about the worst division in baseball in the AL Central. We talked about the best division race up top in the NL East between the Mets and the Braves. But in the middle of this, we've got what I think is the strongest candidate to win a world series in the American league. Yes. Over the Yankees and a team that's really surging right now. And then another team with a ton of questions to answer. And then also you've got the Rangers and the A's. So we get to that. Um, I just made a, a crazy bold claim off the top. I haven't even allowed you to say hello yet, Ryan. What do you think of my claim off the top about Houston? Well, you know, as a Mets fan, seeing someone fire what's a clear shot at the Yankees is something that I'm going to appreciate because, uh, yeah, I like the Astros over the Yankees because I don't want to see the Yankees in a World Series. And I, I think I'm wondering what's the basis of this take? Is it looking at the top of that Astros rotation and liking that a little bit more than what the Yankees have to offer? I'm guessing that's maybe where you're going with this, but I am curious why you've come to that conclusion here. It's Verlander, it's Framber Valdez, it's McCullers coming back, Luis Garcia. You know, there, there are opportunities here to, to thrive. And I think that the offense can't go cold. Um, yeah. You know, obviously you've got Judge playing out of his mind and, and Stanton as an all-star and, and all that. But Jordan Alvarez has been arguably the best hitter in baseball. Uh, and then you've got additional pieces that are just hitting the shit out of the ball right now. Houston is 56 and 29. Seattle 45 and 42. We'll get to Seattle in a moment here. Texas is 40 and 44. The Angels are 38 and 49. Oakland is 30 games under. Oakland is the worst team in baseball and the only team to not hit 30 wins so far. But we start with Houston. They are given greater than a 99.9% chance to make the postseason thanks to baseball reference. And they are getting insane contributions from Jordan Alvarez, whose OPS sits 1058, from Kyle Tucker, who's an all-star, uh, and from pretty much everybody else. When you watch this offense, does it feel as dynamic as the offense that featured Correa and Altuve and Bregman at their peak in like 2017, 2018? Yes, because of those names you mentioned at the top, the fact that the guys that they've had in the pipeline, who have been good, obviously, in Yaron Alvarez and Kyle Tucker, I've hit another level. And then, I mean, Jeremy Pena, like, when have we ever seen where you lose a player? I think the last time I could think is maybe like Trevor Story when they got rid of Tulowitzki. Yeah. That's like the last the last time I could think of it where you That's have a, a player, yeah. you know, at that type of a premium position. You lose a guy last year who was you know, arguably the best shortstop in baseball, and then Pena comes up, and you really don't skip a beat. It's amazing, man. It's just – at a certain point, there's franchises that have just figured it out. Like the Dodgers have figured it out. They know what they're doing. The Astros in the American League, they have figured out how to do all of it, how to develop their players, how to how to find a way to, to construct a bullpen. Like I was just looking through their, their, their bullpen numbers right now. And obviously, I think the last time I checked, they had the best bullpen in baseball. You got Rafael Montero, who former Met that I remember well, who couldn't hack it, now has a sub two ERA. Ryan Stanek, a 0.63 ERA. He's insane. You got Seth Martinez, a sub one ERA. Like, it's incredible how, how they just find a way every year to build this amazing bullpen. And then, you know, with the lineup they have, the starters they have, yeah, they're, they're a complete team. You know, the best thing they did was, and I mentioned the, the top end talent in the rotation with McCullers coming back and, 
you know, Verlander and Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia. I didn't even mention the guy that threw seven no hit against the Yankees and got, I think, 15 whiffs on his fastball the next time he was out there. Um, that's Christian Javier. And I, I think that the best thing that they did was go to a six-man rotation about a month into the season because Javier's first four appearances were out of the bullpen, much like what we saw from him in the postseason. And what Javier has done since being a starter is log a 301 ERA across 74 and two-thirds innings with 102 punch-outs. Christian Javier is striking out 12.3 guys per night. He's got this high-spin fastball. He pairs it with great breaking balls. And looking at a Verlander, looking at a Christian Javier, who have the same profile on the fastball where it's high-spin, it stays up in the zone, induced vertical break, that's how they do it. They get ride. You've got the best ground ball pitcher literally ever statistically in Framber Valdez throwing to a 2.64 ERA and just crushing innings. 17 starts, 109 innings. He's a horse. So we can look at the offense and we can look at the development like you're talking about here with you know them finding the right guys and developing them properly. They've done a really good job holding on to the guys that they've developed properly. They let Correa walk, obviously, but Altuve's been an Astro. Bregman's been an Astro. Bregman's going to stay an Astro. I can pretty much guarantee you that Jeremy Pena is going to stay an Astro. They have confirmed that Jordan Alvarez is going to stay an Astro. And I know damn sure they're not going to let Kyle Tucker walk. What they do in terms of churning out quality talent and retaining quality talent might actually be unmatched in baseball. Yeah, no, it might be that their core just has, has stayed there. Um, and even like the, the idea that when they traded for Justin Verlander, that he would be part of their core for as long as even he has. Uh, it's crazy. Also, I'm thinking right now, I'm looking at his at 103 third innings pitch. Like, is Verlander going to throw 200 innings off Tommy John and we're I think not so. going to bat an eye? I think so. <laughs> it's crazy, what do you think? Man. I think so. At least 180. I, I mean, he's trending that way and it's not like he's slowing down at all. Uh, Man, they're good. They're Dude, good. I'm looking back at this Verlander trade here. That came August 31, 2017. That was post. That was a, a waiver, right? Wasn't it a waiver trade? Um, it was Verlander and Juan Ramirez to Houston for Franklin Perez, Daz Cameron, and Jake Rogers. How do you fuck up that bad? <laughs> That's why they're the Tigers and uh, they're the Astros, right? That's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, just look at it. Let's do a little exercise, and then we'll get to the hottest team in baseball right now in Seattle. Let's look at the ALCS, and we'll think about how these guys will stack up. Game one is going to be Verlander and Garrett Cole. Let's walk Love through. Love that matchup. I Love mean, that matchup. Everything about it. It's going to be incredible. Who are you taking? Verlander. There's something about Garrett Cole that I just – I don't know. Even though he's a great pitcher, the numbers are always great. There's something about him that I just think Verlander's a, a better big game pitcher. Feel like he's going to crumble a little bit, Garrett Cole. Bit. Yeah, a little bit. I think so too. I think I think the big home run is going to throw <laughs> yeah. is going to throw him off. And you do realize he has to face Jordan Alvarez, you know, three or four times in that game. And, and uh, Kyle Tucker. And Kyle Tucker. Yeah. And Jose Altuve. Like it doesn't get easy. One through nine, except for Martin Maldonado. Uh, game two. You can say Nestor, you could say Luis Severino, you could say Jordan Montgomery. For the sake of the exercise, let's go with Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez versus Framber Valdez. We love Nestor at just baseball, but Framber. So that's a 2-0 Astros lead. Game three, Christian Javier 
and Jordan Montgomery or Luis Severino against either of them? Who are you taking? See, that's the thing. Is like obviously the Yankees get one of these games, but you're right when you when you line it up pitcher by pitcher. Yeah, this is why I think the Astros. I think you might be right with this take here. I I think if if you get to the bullpens, obviously what the Yankees bullpen is done with Clay Holmes and with Michael King um, and with some other guys stepping up. Wandy Peralta has been awesome. Um, I'm not even going to mention Araldis Chapman because he's been terrible. But you know, if you can go to Holmes and King with a tie game or a lead it's game over. And I think you're right. Like one of those three games, you're going to get to the back end bullpen guys. <laughs> Unless they're lead. facing off against the Reds. Unless they're facing off against Didn't the Reds. Just blow a game against the Reds or something like that last I night, think so. I think. Yeah. Um, but no, man, I mean, I, I think that the Astros match up really well with the Yankees and I am praying to the heavens that we get that as the ALCS. That would be yes. like, that would have to set viewership records. Yankees, That's Astros sure. in the ALCS. For sure. It would for sure. And, and just, just the last thing on them, something that um, I want to get your take on is Jordan Alvarez, the scariest batter to face in baseball. Yes. I think he is. Yes. Okay. I, I love that question. Um, and I actually talked about that a couple of months ago, like guys, you're standing at first base or third base playing defense and they walk up and you think my face is going to get taken off. I'm hospitalized when I'm they hit a line in the drive. outfield. I don't care about shifting. I just want to get as far as much distance between me and Alvarez as possible. Yeah, so my list off the top of the year was Vladdy and Rafael Devers. Those were the two that I was most scared of. And I think Matt Olson is up there too. Uh, but I think Jordan Alvarez has quickly ascended to the top. I'm so scared of him. He's insane, man. What's his average exit velo? I've got it here. Um, Jordan Alvarez's average exit velocity on balls put in play so far this year is, as I scroll and it loads, 96 miles an hour. He's averaging a 96 mile an hour hard hit ball. I'm terrified <laughs> against it's insane, him. man. That's how you get a 197 WRC plus when you hit the ball that hard every single time. It's ridiculous. Hey, man, Seattle is the hottest team in baseball right now. Like we mentioned, they've won eight in a row. Seattle's three games over 500 now. And a team that looked dead in the water and thinking, okay, let's trim the fat. Let's trade some of the vets here is now probably looking to buy. And they're probably looking to buy offensively. Because looking at the pitching staff, Robbie Ray has turned it on. Credit mm -hmm. to Robbie Ray. I never want to give him credit, but credit to him. Logan Gilbert's got a 280 RA. Gilbert looks like a frontline guy. Marco Gonzalez, you can shit on him all you want. You can say the stuff is not that good all you want. He's got a 324 ERA and 17 starts. Um, and then you've got Chris Flexen, who's been throwing fine. Um, and then you've got some other guys that have just made some spot starts for you. It's kind of been Kirby and Brash. One of them's going to turn out. Brash has resurfaced in the bullpen. Bullpen's been good. Penn Murphy, Paul Seawald, Andres Munoz, Eric Swanson's been really good. You got to add offensively, right? And I guess my question is, where? Is it, you know, in the infield? Is it in the outfield? Is it a little bit everywhere? Obviously, you're young and you're waiting on guys to come up, but I think they're hoping to compete right now. Yeah, I'm trying to look through it. I mean, do they need to get an outfielder? Um, you know, where are they right now? You look and, and, you know, at the top of the lineup, like, obviously you have this guy, Julio Rodriguez, that's, you know, clearly the new face of the franchise and he's just performing at an unbelievable level. Ty France, uh, still has not been put in the all-star game yet. Right. They still haven't added him in. I think so. I think they still haven't added him, which is crazy. I mean, the guy's got a 146 WRC plus and has been great all year. Uh, you know, they're set at shortstop at JP Crawford. Suarez has been a pretty good bounce back guy for them. You got to love what he's done. 
Winker, I think has been a little bit better lately than it was earlier in the season. So yeah, it's starting to come together for them. I, I think that they are missing a bat. I'm just not sure which bat that is because um, where do you put the bat? Is my question. Is it, is that second base? I, I don't know. I was going to say catcher. Okay. Then Cal Raleigh started really hitting the shit out of the ball. Yeah. I kind of like Cal Raleigh. I kind of like what he does. Um, I don't think he's a playoff series winning catcher, um, but I, what, I think Raleigh and Terenzi can survive a little bit. What about Wilson Contreras going to Seattle? Yeah. And you could have Raleigh as the DH. Contreras yeah. could DH a little bit too. Get him off his feet. I kind of like Wilson Contreras to Seattle. It's not anything I've actually thought of up to this point, but it does make a little bit of sense there. Makes a lot of bit of sense. Um, if you they can, can run him and you can resign him, you don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you don't have that, that much money committed for the yeah. future. Why not? Why not to say, you know what? I, I don't know. Do do they have any catching prospects that, that that are coming up that you have to be thinking about? Or Harry Ford is far away. So if, uh, if you were to sign Contreras to a five-year extension or, or, or a five-year deal after the season, I mean, it could be a nice little move for them for this window to contend right now. I wonder if they could go shorter deal, big, but big higher AAV. AAV. So I'm thinking like a three-year deal because Harry Ford's 19 years old and low A at the moment. So you could like, have like a 2025 20, ETA on him. I was going to say, like, what would you think that uh, three for 75, who says no Contreras or the Mariners? If Contreras says no to that, he's an idiot. I know, right? I don't think anybody says no. I think yeah, you just I, – I think you nailed it, man. Because honestly, yeah, it's, it fits your window right away if you're Contreras. Um, you know, and maybe even if, if you wanted to, like, maybe it's like three for 70, you give him an opt after the first year or something like that. Like, if you really wanted if – he, if he really wanted the long-term deal, I don't know. But I do like him in Seattle. I think that's an interesting fit. I think I like him too. Um, you obviously don't want Adam Frazier playing second base for you every day, but you know, you've got Dylan Moore too, but even Dylan Moore, he hasn't been that great. He's got a 718 OPS. Um, you know, who's been a massive ad for them is Carlos Santana. Just had a great weekend. And when everything, when we say that everything's going right for Seattle, we mean Carlos Santana just had a three homer weekend against the, or against Toronto. Like yeah. that's what we mean by everything's going right. If Carlos Santana can be the DH with Ty France at first, I think you're set in the middle of the order, just like you're set at the top of the order with Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I don't know if I think it's sustainable. I think that's one of those things where the guy has a weekend and he comes crashing back down to earth, but Hey, we'll see what happens. Maybe he does have some staying power. We'll see, man. Maybe he just loves Seattle that much. Um, it does. I, it helps to get out of Kaufman though. It really does. It really does. And like, it probably feels good to be out of like Kansas city in the summertime. We know what Ichiro said about summertime in Kansas city. Um, and then, you know, you, you've got Seattle and you've got the public market, you've got Starbucks. Great. Carlos Santana, I really like living in Seattle. Um, so yeah, I, I think Seattle is all of a sudden really optimistic. And I was pretty much looking at it as a coin flip for the final AL playoff spot um, between Seattle and Toronto. And then Toronto just fired Charlie Montoya. Yeah. So I lean Seattle now. Unless Baltimore. Oh, God, I forgot about Baltimore. Do you actually think Baltimore can compete? I know we're not doing the AL East right now, but do you actually think that Baltimore can compete for a postseason berth this year? 
there's such a weird team because we're, we're doing like the, these trade deadline outlooks and I don't know where to put them. Do you buy? Do you sell? Do you stand pat? I have no idea what they do here. But look, for a team that struggled as long as they have, you have something, some you know, brewing here. I don't know. I could see them actually being, I don't think that they actually make the playoffs, but are the Orioles playing competitive games in September? At this point, I think they are. You think they're playing competitive games in September? So my thing with early Baltimore, September, at least. <laughs> yeah. So early September, they're playing competitive games. All right. Fair. The offense indicates that they could play competitive games in early September. Now, the starting pitchers you're running yeah. out for competitive games in early September are Jordan Lyles, Tyler Wells, Spencer Watkins, Dean Kramer. Are, Kyle they, Bradish. A are they a team that trades for a star? Like, what if they got Tyler Malley? Just to get a guy with control, give him a starter for this season and beyond. I just don't know what Tyler Malley does for the Baltimore Orioles. I don't know if he if he makes them suddenly a playoff contender, but I'm just saying, like, to, just to get – if you're just trying to stay in the race, you know what I mean? If you're just trying to have competitive baseball, let these kids get – because that's a good thing. I, I do think that that's big when you can have a young team that can get the taste of a pennant race, even if they have no shot at but just – they, they know what it feels like when there's some stakes attached to those games late in the season. And you know, that's what Seattle just got last year. And here they are. Here they are. And they didn't mail it in in July. And they're the hottest team in July. And that's why they're back into the postseason conversation. Um, yeah, I, I think that could be beneficial. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that Luis Castillo to Baltimore deal and what that could look like. Uh, for more info on that, obviously go check it out on justbaseball.com. Um, I, I think that could look really enticing. Texas is 40 and 44. They're a team that I just don't think even they think that they're valid. You know, yeah. like, do you trade Martin Perez? I think the answer is yes. 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 Yeah. Got to. Got to cash in. What do you think they get for Martin Perez? Uh, a little bit more than they got for Gibson last year. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think that's another one of those trades where you're just hoping that you can, you can hit on like one piece, you know, even if yeah. you could just maybe – Maybe instead of trying to get multiple prospects, you just try to get the one prospect that you really, really, really like. I think the return for Martin Perez looks a lot closer to the return for Jose Quintana than the Rangers want it to look. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, because no one's going to buy what he's done this year, even though he's been great. Right. Like they see an all star and it's like, hey, we're trading an all star. But it's like, no, you're trading Joe Mantiply. You're trading a, a fluky all star here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, that's my thought on the Rangers. Like, I don't, I don't think they do much at the deadline. I think they, you know, cut Perez and, you know, wait for wait for Lighter and Cole win and them to to get up and and that's that. We start in twenty twenty three. L A. That's it. I think we should just laugh at them and move on. <laughs> we could be idiots and put together trade packages for Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, but I don't want to because they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Um, do they trade like a Noah Syndergaard? I don't know, maybe. I, but they're a team that always feels like they don't want to admit what they are. So I, I see, like, what if the Angels do something stupid and buy too? Off the top of it, I don't even know. Dude, LA has lost five in a row. They're one and nine in their last ten, and they're twelve games under five hundred. Remember when they were comparing them to the Mets in the early part of the season? Yes, like the two teams that won the off season and were were great. I, we gave them an A plus on the Just Baseball show because they went and got Syndergaard and Lorenz and an Aaron Loop and Tapera. Like they 
did really well in the offseason. So we thought, and everything is just burned in their face. I mean, Brandon Marsh has sucked. Joe Adele was not good at all when he got his shot. Both Loop and Tapera have ERAs over four. I mean, what's Rysel Iglesias? Four, six, five. I was going to say, as does Iglesias. Three of the top relievers on the market. And that's why, you know, you can knock a team for not signing free agent relievers, but the Angels are an example of how it can blow up in your face still. It can totally blow up in your face, man. I mean, look at the, look at the Richard Rodriguez thing. Like, that was a trade. Yeah. And he just signed a minor league deal with the Yankees. Richard yeah. Rodriguez was the top reliever on the market. How much money did they commit to those three guys? Iglesias got, what, like 16 a year? I think Luke got not quite Luke 10, signed, but close to it. Luke signed, like, two years... 19 18, or something 18 or 19 and Tapera might have been around there too so you're talking about like similar 18 yeah they probably spent close to 40 million dollars on those three guys if not more than that and you're getting a five era <laughs> that's horrible um so bad yeah. for angels fans but. yeah dude i feel really bad but you know what you've got trout and otani just keep tuning in for trout and otani and play on your phone when they're not up <laughs> It's my thing. Um, Oakland, play on your phone the whole time. Don't even tune in. Don't even tune in. Wait till they move to Vegas. Yeah. Um, my So just baseball.com just put out our, our top 20 trade targets available at the deadline. Read that on our site. We listed Frankie Montas as the top available trade target ahead of Luis Castillo. Do you agree or disagree? Because we got a little bit of pushback I saw. It was like, really, Montas ahead of Castillo? I think Frankie Montas is a better trade target than Luis Castillo. We're talking about the same amount of years, right? We're talking about a year and a half of control. For both, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not mad at it. I, I think that you're I, – I would go either way. I don't think that – like, like if, if you wanted to tell me it was Castillo, I'd say, okay. Montas, yeah, I think both of them are guys that um, on some teams – could be an ace and on a really good playoff team, they could be a really good number two. So yeah. you look at what he's done this year and, you know, three, two, six ERA, he's striking out over nine per nine. I mean, he looks really good. And I think those are the two guys that you look at this deadline and they can really kind of swing, swing the balance of power for a team that, that needs a starter. Um, so it will be really interesting to see who gets them. And also uh, because the market is pretty thin, you're talking about those two guys. And then it kind of drops off. Who's our third starter on the list? Is it Malley or who else do we have up there? It is Tyler Malley. Yeah. So that's a big drop off to go from the top two down to Malley. So uh, I think they're really get a pretty good haul. And, you know, Clay just wrote a piece last week, breaking down all of the trades that Oakland made and their strategy was kind of reset the window, right? You get a lot of guys close to big league ready. You don't want to go to a big period of a rebuild, just kind of a short retool and a lot of the players that they got have either struggled at the big league level or are back in AAA, um, haven't broken through. They have to hit it right on this trade because it's looking pretty bad for them. It seems like they really fumbled the ball with this rebuild so far. Yeah, it really does feel like that. Another guy that they could get a serious, serious return for, and that's why I think that he has to move, especially with Shay Langoliers looking ready, is Sean Murphy. Yeah, Sean Murphy's got this year left of team control. So $725,000 this year, which is chump change. And then you've got all three years of arbitration still on the table for his age 28, 29, and 30 seasons before he hits the open market in 2026. 
I mean, that, that is as big of a deal as Frankie Montas. And Murphy is one of the better defensive catchers in baseball. He can provide sporadic help offensively. He's like a 205 hitter, but with some power. Um, I think the 205 clip gets better. I think get him out of Oakland for one. Yeah. And and he, I think they would be silly not to trade both Frankie Montas and Sean Murphy because those two are going to get two of the bigger returns that we'll see at this deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't they both in our top five? We had Murphy at what, four, right? Murphy at four, right behind Wilson Contreras. And you could make the argument that Murphy should command a larger return than Wilson Contreras because while Contreras is a a rental, yeah, Murphy has three years of control after this. Yeah, they, they got to move these guys. And like I said, like you got to, and also, like, why would you not move Loriano uh, too? Move him. I move mean, him. I don't know how much you're going to get for him, but there's enough teams that, I mean, if you can create a little bit of a bidding war between the Marlins and the Phillies and, and, and end up getting yourself a nice prospect there, um, I think that's a legit possibility because th- those are two teams that are kind of in the same place that kind of need the same things. Um, yeah, they, they, they might actually surprise us with, with the return they get on that too. What do you think? Oakland can get for Loriano from Miami. I'm looking at pitchers. Do you think they can get Edward Cabrera and McCambly? I think so. I mean, because the Marlins have so much to, to trade from there. Um, Got a ton. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Do they want like like a flyer on like a six though to get thrown into a type of trade like that where you just see if you can reclaim them? I mean, there's a possibility. There's a serious possibility there. So because what are the I'm Marlins had to lose there? I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, six though is supposed to be great, but yeah, but you got like ten of them. Yeah, throw them six in the deal. Six though has probably fallen to what eight or nine on their totem pole in the starting <laughs> pitcher rankings because obviously it's it's Sandy, Pablo, um, Meyer, Yuri Perez, obviously. Um, Cabrera, um, Sixto is definitely below Lazardo. Sixto is below Eater. I think he's eight, which is crazy to say about Sixto Sanchez. Yeah. Oh my God. In 2020, fall. we thought he was going to be their ace. Gosh. Yeah. Mickey Mouse season, Mickey Mouse playoff series win over the Cubs. So that's that. All right. Fink, uh, thanks for uh, all your help. <laughs> and uh, we're not done yet. We've got the NL Central tomorrow on State of the Division. Thank you, guys.